This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first and this week, the Champions League. Welcome back, and it's going to be a fun episode today. I'm not sure fun in terms of Chelsea content, but maybe we'll just have a bit of banter between Raul and I. Raul, how are you doing, my friend? Thought we were here to talk about Sevilla drawing 2-2 with Manchester United. <laughs> that was more entertaining for you this week, wasn't it? That was more fun for sure. <laughs> So we're going to get the elephant out of the room immediately and talk about the Madrid game and maybe how we have some wins in sight, no wins in sight for the foreseeable future. But I know there's a lot more to cover. So why don't we talk about Madrid? Obviously, tough game. You and I made some predictions before we got into the game itself. I think you predicted 3-1 for Madrid, 2-1 for Madrid, if I'm not mistaken. So our hope was very limited to begin with. And I, unfortunately said pray for Chelsea. I got a lot of flack online, and I said, honestly, I mean that in the highest regard for my football club. Give them the love, give them the prayers, give them the support, and hey, it worked. 2 nil is not <laughs> terrible if you think about it. <laughs> I just kid. Let me get your opinion and thoughts, right? I, I was going to say you didn't pray hard enough, but you <laughs> made it seem like you did pray hard enough because we, we walked away with two, even though we were down to 10. So, hey, maybe... Look, we lost 1-0 at Dortmund, and we yeah. came back and we, we turned that around. Now we've lost 2-0, um, so maybe it's just destiny and fate testing us to see if we can keep upping our goal scoring here, which, by the way, we haven't scored since the return of uh, club football uh, from the international break, which is now coming up to Aston Villa, Liverpool... Um, who did we just play on this Wolves. past week? Wolves, uh, Madrid, so four games... Two different, three different managers, zero oh, yeah. goals, no wins. So, it's good times, man. <laughs> Listen, if you're a Chelsea fan, strap in for the ride. It might be the good times, as Rahul is describing it, for a little bit longer. And I think it's going to be a season where we have to just get to the end of it, Rahul, and let things happen naturally as they may in the summertime. But don't stray too far away from Madrid. I can see you're doing everything you can to avoid the conversation. Let's talk a little bit about the starting eleven, right? Frank Lampard picks maybe the best or strongest starting 11 that he can, I think, at least in my opinion. I know some other fans online agree with that as well. What are your thoughts? And maybe do you want to run through it really quickly? I, I, I agree with you. I think this was the strongest 11 available to him. Obviously, mm-hmm. with a few tweaks, Thiago Silva coming back in. But yeah, Kepa in goal, Fofana, Thiago Silva, Koulibaly in a back three. We did go back to playing three. Uh, center backs in a back three system. Reese James, Angolo Kante, Enzo Fernandez, Kovacic, and Ben Chowell as a midfield five. Uh, and then up top, we had just two, which was uh, surprising in itself because Kai Havertz, for mm. however long this season, we've said he just doesn't get dropped. In this case, maybe more due to pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jao Felix and Raheem Sterling make the front two. Yeah, so I think I have to agree with you on paper. Strong, strong eleven. You've got James Chilwell, who we know are fantastic as wingbacks and really need to fill in this team. Silva back from injury, which was exciting to see him there. I think he was necessary for this game. Unfortunately, it doesn't go the way like we said. Fofana looking good. Rahul as a center back. Yes, it's a tough game for him to come into. Kante, another one. Good to see him in there. And so, yeah, I don't have too many complaints with it. I think you don't know what you have until you change the formation and kind of make it work. But 
clearly Frank Lampard went to pack that midfield and allow the width for Reese and, and Ben to get up on the wings. But I'm not sure what more you can say about this. I think maybe dropping Kai Havertz was a bold move and maybe something we've all been calling for to look for a change. And so I commend him for that. But I'm not sure what more he could have done to make this work at this point. No, I think he he obviously learned from the Wolves game where the four didn't work. Uh, so I think it was naturally going to be happening that we would go to the back three. It helped that Thiago Silva was back because he's naturally a little more, uh, a little better of a fit in that back three. And Golo Conte coming back. I've never been a fan of having the three five two because even mm. under Tuchel when we tried it, it just never seemed to work. We we lost a little bit up front. Now, I say that, but within the six the opening six or seven minutes, we had the first opportunity through John right. Felix, which comes from a midfield who who kind of breaks the ball uh, in behind the defenders for John Felix to run onto. So, um, but I always felt that once Madrid settled into it, you know, Madrid yeah. haven't had the best season, uh, but once they settle into it 10, 15 minutes, they were always going to take over and, and we're going to always have to be defending and, and being a little bit deeper than we wanted to. Um, but the bigger thing for me was we saw it in the Wolves game, Jackie. We saw it again in the Madrid game. Even though we said we packed the midfield and we played three in the midfield, both against Wolves and, and um, Madrid, we just don't seem to be having control. And and, and that seems like the other team's pressing us and we're just making mistakes. But I, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it's... You would think with maybe a Kovacic and Enzo mm-hmm. Kante, who has seemed to be a little like quick with their feet and, and better in tight spaces, they would just kind of get caught on the ball or get caught trying to make a pass, and, and immediately we would just lose the ball. Yeah, I think your assessment is fair. I think we don't have control of games, and it's been a theme for several games, and I think several months going back, Rahul, and I think... Stats, unfortunately, make us feel better than we should. I know going back to Graham Potter's days, which unfortunately is only a few weeks away, so it sounds like days where it's a long time ago, we would have 50, 60, 65% of the ball, and we'd say, yeah, we control games. But if you go to watch the match, did we really control the game, or are we just kind of holding the ball and passing it around and seeing if something happens? When I think of control, I think of dominating a team, kind of playing over them and putting them under the pressure where you can say not only did we have 60-70% of the ball we had you know 30-35 shots and unfortunately it was just not our day but it became a theme of where 60% of the ball and 10-12 shots and nothing was going in right so it seems to be after four managers now there's a real lack of belief and lack of confidence and I know people get so irritated when I say there's a lack of belief and lack of confidence but there's been so much change at the football club, too quick, too soon, so many new players. And I know Graham Potter said it takes time. And now again, it's like we're backing Graham Potter after he's left. But you're seeing that none of this is going to take a quick overnight Band-Aid fix because you bring in a legend like Lampard and people are supposed to wake up and play harder and do things. And in fairness to them, Rahul, I just don't think they're on the same wavelength. You can kind of see that they don't understand if one's going forward, stay back. There are certain things that happen naturally where you can find a friend without looking and have a flick. They just don't know each other's style yet. And I think I don't want to write us off, but I can't wait for the season to end. I, I tend to agree with you. And it's almost getting to a point where I think we spend majority of the season blaming Potter or, or asking right. Potter to do better or pick the, the players differently or play different systems. And um, 
it's just come down to I just feel bad at this point. It's mm-hmm. it's you're looking at these players and you're like, I know they can be so much better. I know they can do so much better. You look at a Reese James who's come back from injury, but he struggled in this game. Mm-hmm. Fofana struggled in this game. It didn't help that he picked up a yellow card early against Vinicius, who was frightening with his pace. Um, Thiago Silva, yes, I know he was back, but maybe not the right game to come back to, especially right. after being out for over a month. Kulabali is Kulabali. Chilwell, I think, did what he could. And then again, the midfield three, I think, they just were outclassed by by the yeah. Madrid mid th- uh, midfield three of Modric, Cruz, and and Valverde, uh, and then up front I think we we went with the idea of oh we'll have speed and we'll have Joe Felix and and Raheem Sterling, but when the confidence isn't there, the goals yeah. haven't come for them recently. Yes, Sterling scored against Dortmund. Joe Felix has scored against I believe against Everton last. Um, it's just when they're one on one or they're running in behind. I feel like they start to doubt themselves. They start to second guess themselves. They don't know if they want to shoot. They want to cut in. They want to fake it. They just, it suddenly feels like more pressure because suddenly you're like, wait, I'm expected to score here and I'm not going to. Um, and in doing all of that, they, they just miss. So I just feel bad for them because I'm like, yes, I can be frustrated. Yes, I can be annoyed. Right. But I'm sure they feel all of those emotions too. I'm sure they feel like they should be doing better. I, I feel like, they know they should be doing better. And so, I don't know, I just feel bad. Like you said, the season needs to end sooner rather than later. And the longer this Champions League run continues for a miracle happening next week, if we somehow continue, it just it's just dragging on at this point. Yeah. I, I feel like we're, we keep comparing it to 2012, and I'd like to get your thoughts on that before where we take a quick break for our um, sponsors. But we compared to 2012, we compared to 2021. 2012 was a whole different squad, of course, whole different momentum. But immediately when we make that change and we come up against Napoli and we win that game, I think the belief mm-hmm. is right back into the squad that yep. we're going to go on a run. I just don't see it happen. I can't even see a win coming, let alone a draw or, or our scoring a goal. So, um, I think it's different. And then you compare it to 2021. I, we won the group stage, I think, five or six games out of right. uh, the six. We came into the knockout stage. Obviously, Lampard wasn't there. But Tuchel comes in and Tuchel says, there's one problem here. We're conceding too much. I'm going right. to fix that. And we just somehow nick goals along the way and, and progress and, and make it through. And I heard someone today on, on, on TalkSport say, well, Chelsea weren't the best team in the Champions League in 2021. I want to say we were pretty close to it. You don't get out of group stage and go on to win it the way we did. Mm-hmm. You look at Bayern Munich this season. They they won six out of six in the group stage, and here they are almost out of the Champions League. So right. I think 2021 was different. We had the right mind frame. Tuchel fixed the one issue that we had, and we just got the goals when we needed them. This season is just we can't score. We can't keep clean sheets. Madrid sensed it, Jackie. You look at them in this game. They sensed it. So... I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but it's just—I just feel bad at this point. Listen, first Champions League in 2012 was a core of mentally strong players doing what they do best, which is coming together, playing football the way they knew how to play football, almost dragging some other people across the finish line. And I don't mean that in a rude way. I think 
you can know who the core is, right? The Didier Drogba's, the Frank Lampard's, the John Terry's, the Petr Cech's. And of course, the others around them were all doing their best in Gary Cahill. And of course, David Luiz and Raul Morales even plays his part. John Obi Mikel, Juan Mata was instrumental, Fernando Torres. But the core, that spine that I talk about, just stood up and said, we're not having a good season. We performed poorly in the first game against Napoli. Let's come out here and show what we can do. And from there, it just changes the confidence and the mindset. But I don't think it ever fully drained out of that team, right? It was just a manager that was unfortunately trying to make a lot of change very quickly. And I think that's an important item to highlight on there, right? You come into 2021, and I think Frank had done brilliant in his first season to get us top four. We didn't have investment. And then a lot of change comes into the club in the form of new signings. And I'm not saying... It's a bad thing. It's just a lot of change. And so Frank struggles, and I think struggles is an unfair word, right? He was finding ways to be creative and score goals, but we were always leaking goals. And so for Tuchel, it's not necessarily a confidence thing. It's a tactical shift. So completely different in a way from looking at 2012. But in, in these key things, change seems to be the biggest issue. And I just said this earlier, how much change has happened to Chelsea Football Club in the last seven, eight months? It's going to take some time. And so if it happens that we find a way past Real Madrid, listen, I'm going to celebrate it, but I don't see any similarities between 12 and, and 21. I think it's going to be a tough ride and we just got to find some ways to believe in ourselves. Not sure what Lampard can do there, but he has a couple of games to figure it out. He does. And, and I, like I said, I think it's just, we're just dragging to the end and it's, we might as well just get there. If, if for some reason, if we make it through this game, there's still Man City or Bayern to get through, so um, I think to avoid the pain, like let's just let it let it just end now. But when we come to predictions time, we'll see we'll see what we predict for the second leg. Uh, but before we continue, let's take a message from our sponsor, Fubo TV, who, by the way, was where I watched this game, uh, and I need to maybe have a conversation with them because it's not going well since we started partnering with them. But let's take a message. The Premier Chelsea has partnered with Fubo TV. Fubo TV is your home for live sports and TV without a cable in the US and Canada. You can watch on all your devices, which means you don't have to miss any of the actions or goals that Chelsea score in the Premier League and Champions League. You heard that right. Fubo TV Networks broadcast Premier League, Champions League, and many other leagues and tournaments. So what are you waiting for? Start your free trial today at FuboTV.com forward slash TPC. All right, we're back. And Jackie, I know we're not analyzing this game. We've kind of shared how we feel about it, uh, what went down. We did have a few opportunities, Jao Felix, Raheem Sterling. But in that second half, Jackie, we've made a sub. Koulibaly has gone off. Kukurea has come back, come in to play the left-sided center back. Uh, with 1-0 down, kind of managing the game, and then Chile gets sent off. And um, I want to get your thoughts on it because there's two questions I have here is, is Chile caught because of Cucurea's mistake? And the second one is, once Chile commits and says, I'm going to make this foul, is that due to the fact that he doesn't trust Kepa to make the save? Good questions, I think, first of all. And I think I want to start by saying, no matter who makes a mistake or what goes on, we've said many times on this podcast, we should be critical of our players, but not abusive. And I think someone like Cucurea has gone through a lot of abuse with Chelsea fans and 
he's going to make mistakes, Rahul, naturally. And I think whether or not we think he's a Chelsea level player, I think he doesn't deserve to be abused to the to the level that he's getting abused. And Chelsea fans can get angry and say, no, he should get abused and insulted you inside of your opinion. But just think about how you would feel if you make a mistake and any time you get cussed out. It's not really motivating. And I think as Chelsea fans, be critical and say he needs to be a little smarter about where he plays his ball or how he stands in his position or maybe he should be on the bench because he's not the right frame of mind whatever you want to say critical wise but the abuse is something else and I think that needs to stop as Chelsea fans we're going to go through some hard years with the transition but coming to your question Rahul yes I think he's at fault I think he has a rush of blood to the mind and charges a player and it's like you play a back three because you want to have cover your wing backs can tuck in and do things so when you do a step up like that you already put your wing back at a disadvantage. And I think to answer your second question, I don't think it's an issue with Kepa. I think the moment got to him. I think it's one of those where he's like, do I just drop this player, take a red card, and we don't get a third goal and we have a chance in the second leg? Or am I just frustrated now because the team has been struggling and I'm just going to try to do everything I can to stop him? So I'm not going to pass blame to Kepa because I don't feel like as a team I'm seeing that issue. I know Kepa is not your biggest joy to watch right now but I think Chilwell did what he had to do and he's since come out and apologized saying maybe he had a moment of madness but Kukurea definitely didn't give him the easy task at that point in time and and I I appreciate that you brought up the abuse because he has received quite a lot of abuse Mm -hmm. uh, on his social media and that doesn't help I understand the other side of it where people Mm -hmm. are frustrated fans are frustrated we've pointed out multiple times it hasn't been an easy season and for fans that are used to winning, yeah. used to winning trophies, being higher up the table, competing, I get it. But we, we still have to be respectful of the players because in the year's time, Kukurea could be one of the top performing players, right? So uh, it's funny how this game works, but I think we just mm-hmm. have, need to be respectful and keep it respectful. We don't need to be calling him names or abusing the way he looks or his hair. Let's keep it respectful if you're going to be doing that kind of stuff um coming to him i think that's where the issue is right when you play a, a wing back or a left back who naturally wants to progress and and mm-hmm. go ahead and and maybe get the ball up the field and start an attack versus a center back who will say you know what let me see what happens yeah i'm not going to give rodrigo that much space to run in behind me because Tiago Silva is the one that will be covering me on the other side or Ben Chilwell. And that any time Jackie Pace just causes havoc and panic. We've, oh, yeah. we've dealt with it at a very low level. When you look at any game and you look at a, a fast player coming on, and that brings a question why Mudrick never came on, but let's just tuck that to the side. Anytime a fast player is on the run or making moves, Players panic. They want to. Mm-hmm. They want to cut it out. They want to make sure it doesn't hurt the team. And I think that's that's what happened with Chilwell. He panicked. He saw him running and 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 decided to to pull him back. And I don't blame him. But you just have to be smarter. But when it's not going for you, it's not going for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this is one of those cases. But ultimately, we lose the game two nil. I think on the face of it, you'd say two nil. All right, we'll come back and 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 see what we can do at the bridge. But knowing Madrid and knowing how things are going, I think it's going to be a little bit, little bit more difficult. But before we get to that second leg, Jackie, there was a bold, bold, bold prediction 
from Todd Bowley, who just can't keep himself away from the cameras. The cameras follow him around. I think they know where, that they will get a soundbite or something out of him. And in this case, he is caught by Sky Sports. Asked, what do you make of the game? What do you think is going to happen? He comes out and says, I feel good. We're going to win 3-0. Continues to talk about the project and it's a bright future and we're excited. All right. I I can see as an owner that you want to kind of <laughs> exude some confidence. But you've seen what has happened the last seven, eight months. You've, you're in Madrid. You're about to play Madrid, who have a, a, a magnificent history in this competition, and you come out and say, we're going to win 3-0. Now, maybe he's being a little funny, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, but I don't know. I'm not. It doesn't sit well with me, especially because that just gives Madrid a little more ammunition to be like, you know what, we'll come out and show you. You know, from a PR standpoint, I think, yes, you want him to be a little more silent on some of the situations. And I think silent doesn't mean he can't say it's a big fixture. We're excited for the big fixture. The project's good. I think when you start going out with score lines, you can say he might be putting pressure on the team or you might be riling up Real Madrid. But ultimately, I don't know if that's the case for Hull. I think he's just a man that wears his heart on his sleeve and he smiles and he gives his opinion and he says... Maybe it's my way of motivating my guys that they can do it and they will do it and eventually do something. Uh, it comes from a situation of us knowing Roman Abramovich, Marina, Bruce, a hierarchy that doesn't really give too much away, a hierarchy that was so PR trained that very little would leak or come out from the Chelsea campground. And I, and I mean I mean that facetiously, right? Because stuff would leak and come out, but I mean from their mouths directly would not leak or come out that way. So... It's refreshing, but at the same time, maybe there's a middle ground that we can find where he get, does give his sound bites, but they're a little more reserved. I'm not going to hold too much against Todd at this point in time, but I know a lot of the Chelsea fans are feeling that the owners have not done right by the club, and maybe this is not helping the situation. Let's see how things play out. Let's give them the time. We didn't give time to Potter and some of the other guys in the past, so give the owners some time to see what their vision is and what they're trying to build out here. And that's a very good way to put it. And I'm sure if Todd's listening, he's going to be, he might be thinking about hiring you for his PR uh, team, but I have, I, I do take objection to it and I do take objection to it because we're in this situation because of the way they've handled things. We're in this situation because they've come in a year ago and said, we're going to back you to cool. whatever you want. You want Koulibaly, we'll go get him. You want Kukurea, we'll go get him. Great. We we supported that. We wanted that. We said Tuchel's a guy. He got us the Champions League. He got us the, the Club World Cup. We got the Super Cup. We made it to two cup finals. He can take us to that next step. You bring Aubameyang in for him, and then a day later, you fire him. And I think that's where they put a crack into the relationship with the Chelsea fans. Now, of course... Graham Potter comes in and, and six weeks in, he's done great. He gets us through the Champions League. But the wheels came off very mm -hmm. fast. And I think as soon as that happened, they came out and said, no, 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 it's a long-term project. We're going to back him. Great. You back him, you bring him nine players in January. <laughs> I think you're, you're backing him, but you're also putting a lot of pressure on him and on the squad. And I think that's where the decisions have just been a little dodgy. Like I, I'm not questioning the fact that you want to invest in the best players. You want to bring in the younger players. 
but maybe put the deals in place like you did with Nkunku and say in the summer we'll and again maybe the financial piece is is driving those decisions to make it happen now but i just don't think they've set up first Tuchel after kind of giving him the tools and then a day later saying you're out and then Graham Potter and now Lampard i think they're doing Lampard dirty Jackie i think they're doing Lampard yeah. very dirty because He's coming out and facing the media and he's having to explain what's going on. And, and he's hurting his career as a manager. He's now come in and lost two games, not scored a goal. And of course, people will be like, this isn't his. But right. you know how certain clubs operate around the world. If if Lampard's trying to get a job, well, they're going to look and say, you went into Chelsea as an interim and that's when most managers kind of make an impact. Right. So far, there's been no impact. And I think it's hurting him. They're doing him dirty. He loves the club, and that's kind of going against him. But they really need to look at themselves and, and question some of the decisions and, and ask how can we do it better next time because there are going to be major decisions this summer with players going in, players coming out, the manager itself. So I don't really trust them at this point to make those decisions, but I don't really have a choice because it's their money versus me just being a fan and, and voicing my opinion. But I, I'd really like them to do things a little bit better and stick to it. No, listen, let me give you my my two-minute sound bites as well about the ownership and where my thoughts are. I think everything you're saying is valid, and I think we as fans deserve to be heard. And I think the ownership is more visible, and I think they're trying to hear and understand what the fans have to say. So I'm not going to knock them for that. The little joke you made about me joining the PR team, I said I'd absolutely love to join the <laughs> PR team, but I don't think we need more change at Chelsea at this point in time. So I'll leave that alone. The thing with it, Rahul, is that when we were signing all these players in the summer, we as Chelsea fans were excited. And I think we're spoiled, right? The excitement wears off so quickly. Okay, Raheem's not scoring as much as he did. What a waste of money. Oh, Koulibaly's 32. He's not really fitting in the Premier League. What a waste of money. We signed Kukurea, said, well, 64 million for a left back's crazy, but now we have a back, well to chill, back up to Chilwell. He's not doing well. Oh, that was a waste of money. And January comes in and they back, not the manager, but the project of youth, lots of potential. We pip Arsenal for Mudrik. People lose their minds. We seal Enzo on deadline day. I think you lost your mind saying, <laughs> I'm going to get an Enzo jersey. Madueke fits the profile. Several other youngsters have come in, right? And I think if all this works, we love the ownership. They have done everything they can. They've spent the money wisely. It's great. Unfortunately, that's football, right? Things don't always work the way they're supposed to work. And so... So far, I think their heart's in the right place. I think the truth of the matter is they're very inexperienced. And so going forward, I like what they're doing with the fact that they're waiting to hire the right manager. I just repeat what I said several episodes ago. At that point, just stick with Grant Potter till the summer and see how this thing plays out, right? I understand your point of ruining Frank's name, but Frank's a, a big boy and Frank knows what he's doing when he signed up for it. So let's see how it plays out. I don't want to turn toxic to the ownership level yet you don't just spend 700 million for the fun of it and you know try to ruin the club you're doing it because you're trying to get the club to a better place yeah and i and i don't mean they're ruining it i just feel like the constant changes and the constant additions and the and the removal of staff that's been there and now if, the, if it comes to the summer and you're saying we're going to lose mason mount we're going to lose connor gallagher that's that's just more of the club identity that's going right. out the door and it's going to take time to build that up. It's not just going to be overnight. You look at when Roman came in. He wasn't like, Ranieri, you're out. And, right. and you, by the way, this player, I don't want you. And Hasselbank, I don't want you. And you, 
he gave them a season and you know how quick Roman was to make changes. So <laughs> he gave them a season. Yes. Players came in even within that season, but once he saw that Ranieri or he probably knew going into it, wasn't going to be his man. He still took a season and said, let me see right. around Europe. Who is the one I want identified Mourinho. And you know what that happened since from then. So I really hope that they're taking the time and, I just don't want to see him in, on my TV anymore, to be honest, or on, on Instagram <laughs> or on social media. Let it just be about the team, because ultimately that's what it all comes back to, right? It's well, right. Todd said 3-0, but they lost 2-0. And maybe he meant 3-0 for next week, and, and let's <laughs> let's go into that, which is the second leg at the bridge. Real quick, I know we'll do a preview episode uh, at the end of this week, but Lampard said it. Special things happen at the bridge under the lights. Are you expecting special things to happen or are you kind of resigned to the fact that we will show up put a fight but madrid will just have too much no listen i think i think i've said it all along especially when things went bad with potter that i'm okay losing games and taking the season for what it is and i know a lot of chelsea fans don't agree with me but i'm a little bit of a realist at this point in time show some level of love towards the football pitch, towards your teammates, towards the crest that you wear, towards the fans. And the fans are going to be absolutely critical for this game. Just some level of fight. I can't keep seeing chances missed and lack of passing and holding on to the ball and time wasting. Have some game plan, some energy, some level of effort. And if we lose, I'm going to say we lost trying, but you can never give up. You always have to show that you're a Chelsea football club player. And that goes hand in hand with all the change we're talking about, Rahul. I, I I agree with you. And I'm almost like at this point, it can't get any worse. Even a broken no. clock is right twice a day. So <laughs> we can hopefully just come out and do something and, and by fluke, make it through, at least put on a fight and score a goal or two and, and scare Madrid like we did last season mm-hmm. and go out in a respectable way because we're not going to be in the Champions League for at least another 18 months or so. So put on a fight and and see where that takes you. But speaking of putting on fights and seeing where that takes you, Jackie, we have another game this weekend and and I, we had we have scheduled a lot of games in April. So far, they've all gone south. <laughs> Comes Brighton to the bridge. Of course, this would have been a different game if Potter was around, but Brighton flying under Deserby should have won last week against Tottenham. They didn't. I don't even know Deserby will be on the bench. He was sent off in that game. But right. either way, I think his team will be fired up and will want to show what they can do, what they should have done last week against Tottenham. And it's going to be against a Chelsea side that are almost expected to lose going into it. So... Let, let me get your quick thoughts in the build-up, and then let's maybe do a quick uh, starting 11. Yeah, listen, Brighton are a team that are playing fantastic football, and a lot of people talk about Graham Potter laying the foundation there, and I think that's fair to have credit. I think they recruited very well. They found good players. We've picked up Kukurea. We were trying to get their midfielder as well, who signed a deal with them. So I think that there's some history there where you know that Graham Potter did some work, but a lot of the bust-up between De Zerbi and the Tottenham manager was around this is Graham Potter's work. I disagree. I think De Zerbi has taken that foundation and has poured fuel to it and just lit it ablaze because they play some very attractive football, Rahul. They're free-flowing and they score a lot of goals. They're definitely a team that scares me. And I think in regular seasons, the Chelsea Football Club, I know, is not scared of anybody, right? Thomas Tuchel had some famous words of, we will build a team that people are scared to play. 
it's kind of gone the opposite direction since he's gone, right? We've got to a point where a lot of clubs maybe are excited to play Chelsea and we are scared to play them. And there's a little meme you put up online of us just giving three points out. I don't, I don't want to be negative, right? But I don't see how this is going to be an easy fixture, even with us being at home. It definitely won't be, Jackie. And I'm, I have some stats that I, I'll quickly read off. So, and for some reason, every time we've shared stats like this this season, we've gone ahead and made yeah. sure that they've been corrected for the other team. So Chelsea <laughs> have no, never lost a home league game against Brighton, conceding just once. There we go. Once. It's already started and <laughs> you've made it negative, but go ahead. <laughs> conceding just once in seven previous meetings at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea have lost just three of their last 18 home Premier League games under Frank Lampard, which, by the way, will be his first game as manager back at the bridge. Uh, so maybe a special atmosphere, which I think either way, regardless of Lampard or not, it has to be a special atmosphere because I agree. whatever the crowd can do to give us a lift, that's always going to help. And let's just make it tough for Brighton from a crowd perspective yeah. and, and see what that does. Maybe it shakes them a little bit and, and gives us a little bit of a boost. But uh, let's go into a starting 11. Do we see Mendy finally? Like, I'm, I'm like, what is it going to take? Because... I missed that man. And then it's weird because I didn't want to see him earlier this season. It, it's a funny one, right, Rahul? Because I don't think Kepa has done too much wrong. Okay, many can argue that he I w- made I the will mistake. I will argue. <laughs> <laughs> that he made the mistake and tipped the ball to Benzema's path and that was not good enough. And, and for the goal, the second goal, maybe he's not quick or tall enough to get to it. I'm not sure if Frank cares enough to switch goalkeeper at this point. Like I said, I don't think Kepa is making horrendous mistakes, but... I think he sticks sticks with Kepa because he's been fit the whole season. It's up to you at this point if you want to see Mendy. I, I do want to see Mendy. <laughs> and you know what pissed me off more about Kepa? It wasn't, of course, this this the putting the ball in Benzema's path and, and not saving that shot from uh, Asensio, which, of course, it's deflected, but I think Mendy saves it. At the end of that game, Jackie, Kepa takes the ball and gives it back to the referee in the center circle. I'm like, shouldn't you be pissed off? You've just lost the Champions <laughs> League game. You've just lost an opportunity to maybe make it further. And here you're like, oh, here you go, referee. Like, I just played a pickup game and I had a great game and we lost, but oh, well. That really pissed me off. Um, <laughs> so I would like to see Mendy. <laughs> Listen, for argument's sake, we'll go with Mendy in the starting 11 to All get right, you a you. little bit <laughs> cooled down. <laughs> so back three again, I guess? I guess so. I mean, Koulibaly is injured, so if he's out... Badishila has to play. I mean, like, what is this man going to do to get a game? One would hope, right? But Kukure has been finding a way into all of the full managers' hearts this season. But yeah, I'd go with Badishil. I don't know if Thiago Silva can play the next game, but if he can, I'd love to see him back. And then, of course, Fofana, if he's not injured, he's he's another one that worries me with injuries. So those three in the back would be great. I would I would go with Badishila, Thiago, and Chaloba. Hmm, okay, and then. Regardless of what the score is, I would take Tiago off around the hour mark because you just want to sure. give him a little bit more fitness and, and match right. fitness. So that would be my back three, but I'm I'm okay with going with Fofana too. I think maybe he could just use a break because we have mm. played him in consecutive games. Uh, but let's move to midfield. We're going with three. We're going with two. We're going with four or five. You know, I never thought I'd say this, but I feel like we missed Kai Havertz a little bit and people are going to slander me online for that one. But I think he plays a little bit of a part in dropping deep and maybe adding a little bit of strength. And I've always said this, even though Kai Havertz is not contributing with assists and goals, he does have a little bit of an attitude to him, which 
sometimes this Chelsea team needs some sort of backbone and strength. And I think I like the feisty side of Kai. So I'll get Kai Havertz to start. But Rahul, I wouldn't be mad to see Obama Yang either, too, you know. So I know I'm going into the starting lineup of strikers, but I wouldn't mind to see him either. So I think play Kai because we can't play Obama Yang though, right? But if he's bangs in two in this game or scores a goal. <laughs> Well, we can't play him against Madrid, <laughs> so <There you> go. <laughs> we might as well give Kai the 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 game and see if he can get a goal. I'd I'd really like to see Mudrik, and mm. I say that, but I say that because if he does well in this game or gets some kind of confidence, assist, or even just has a good game, he could be a factor in that Madrid game. Because look at Vinicius and what he was doing for right. them, and of course he's more of a finished article than than Mudrik is. But if you have Mudrik going up against Carvajal or Kamavinga, who isn't even a left back, and for some reason we didn't really target him, don't don't even get me started there. <laughs> all, all my frustrations are coming out now. Um, if you have Mudrik going up against one of those, they sit back a little more and gives us a little more space maybe for a mm. James or someone to kind of overlap. So uh, I would like to, to see Mudrik play too, along with Kai Havertz and, and maybe... A, Christian Pulisic because he hmm. does turn up in games when we need him and, and it wouldn't be a bad idea to to get to see him but I think Joe Felix for whatever reason this man is on loan but gets to play ahead of players that we own um, might be the one that gets to the third spot but let's come back to midfield Jackie yep. of course Joe suspended so I think it just makes sense for him to play this game because maybe you want to rest mm-hmm. Kukurea I, I paused there and, and rolled my eyes for a second um, but a midfield of Enzo, who's played every game, Kovacic, Loftus-Cheek. I think Conte is rested again. Uh, but who would you play? Yeah, I think Enzo. And I, I must say, Rahul, even though he struggled in that Real Madrid game, I think he's probably been kind of the shining bit of a sad season. I think there's a real player in there, and he's yet to reach his full potential or even go up another gear, right? I think... Once he learns a bit of English, once he settles in with the team, I think he's going to be a really solid player for us. So I definitely want to see him continue playing as long as he's fit and he can handle the stress. Then Enzo, I know you want to rest Conte, but I think all of these are match minutes that he needs to get into his legs. It's always risky with him, but we have not much to play for, and Madrid is the next big thing that we can try for. So let him get 50, 60 minutes in this game, and then we can obviously change it out for Kovacic, or maybe even Denis Zakaria can come on later on. I would like to see Dennis Zakaria, but again, I, I don't really know what's happening with, with him. Yeah. Um, right wing back. I you think... know, I'll say something controversial. I think this was the Real Madrid game was Reese's worst game I've seen. I'd agree. In, in a Chelsea shirt. And I don't mean to rag on him. I think the team overall is really struggling for confidence, but he is our best player, one of our best players. So if he's fit and available, he's going into right wing back for me. I would like to see Loftus Cheek. Okay. Uh, and then I would like Reese to watch Loftus Cheek and what he did in that <laughs> Madrid game last year because Reese did struggle. And I think between him and Fofana, they struggled to keep Vinicius quiet. And I think last season, Reese did a fabulous job on him yeah. while, while Loftus Cheek was on the other side. So um, maybe I'd rest Reese and, and give Loftus Cheek a run out because if he picks mm-hmm. up some form and does well, Frank just has a few more options to pick from sure. in terms of for the next game. But uh, here is where <laughs> the fun starts with our predictions. So last game you said pray. 
Yeah. Are we just continuing to pray or are you feeling like you can give us some numbers? It's tough, my friend. It's really tough. I'm not sure how this plays out. I've just seen a struggle for goals this season, but I'm happy to have Conte and Thiago Silva back in the team. So at the very least, I would love to see a nail-nail. And that tells you how low my standards have fallen for Chelsea Football Club is I will get away with a nail-nail and be happy with that. If, if you're playing Kepa and goal, you're not getting a nil-nil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go for a 1-1 because that's what Lampard got in his first game as manager at the bridge. Okay. And then the second game, I think, or second coming, not second game, second coming as manager at the bridge, I think a 1-1. And it will be Mason Mount off the bench mm. who also scored in that first game. Now, I'm just... I'm just picking at straws and, and hoping all of this comes true. And if it does, maybe I should go play the lottery. But there you uh, go. any wrapping up thoughts from you? No, listen, I had texted Rahul in the Real Madrid game and I said, give me the odds for Mason Mount scoring a goal <laughs> because I'd like to make a pretty dollar here because I think Mason will score. And for whatever reason, rightly or wrongly, he decided to ignore me or leave me on red or he has a day job and he had to go focus on that. But I thank him greatly for not letting me spend my $10 there to to watch that game look it's been a tough season it will continue to be a tough season so every week i look forward to watching chelsea supporting chelsea it gets difficult every single week but at some point somewhere a whole their footballing gods will give me a little bit of joy so i hope every week and then that little bit of joy may come this weekend but from the women's team because they're <laughs> they're back in action in the fa cup semi-final against aston villa away uh, and if they win that game, they make yet another final. And it doesn't doesn't get any easier because they then have Barcelona. But in terms of looking at this weekend and getting some joy, I think that's where you may get it. But we'll, we'll just wait and, and watch. And I think my prediction, I said 1-1. You said a nil-nil. We'll see what Chelsea and Frank Lampard end up doing. But that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chelsea on all podcast providers, Instagram, and on Twitter. It's at Premier Chelsea. And if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, just drop us a review. Five stars would be nice. Uh, a kind message would be even nicer. But we will be back. And until then, stay safe and up the Chelsea. Hey guys, the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.